Tony Khan is the owner of All Elite Wrestling. And today on Elite Heat, we're going to be bringing to you an all-encompassing bio on one TK. This bio, I mean, Kevin, there's so much to go through when it comes to Tony Khan, his company, AEW, even stuff like Fulham FC, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Plenty of stuff to go over. Just, I mean, talking about that, what are some of the things we're going to go over today? Yeah, I'll set the table for what people should be expecting from this bio. You know, we're not going to be talking about, you know, Tony Khan, the man, the human being, his personal life, nothing like that. We're going to really talk about Tony Khan, the wrestling booker, the writer, however you want to coin that phrase, whatever you want to refer to him as, the owner of AEW, the Twitter personality, Maybe a little bit of the, the football personality, both international football and American football. We're going to talk, uh, you know, just about that, his professional career. And we're going to talk heavily about AEW and what we think AEW is doing right, what we think AEW is doing wrong. So I guess you could say this is kind of like a, what, a first year and a half, first two years, I should say, a first two-year perspective of AEW. Yeah, it, kind of like an, a state of AW address. Like we had that plan to do, but I think talking about Tony Khan, talking about his booking of AW, this is going to basically be an AW state of the union address almost. It's going to be as well, as you say there, an AW in review almost. Like obviously we're not going to go through pay-per-view by pay-per-view, decision after decision. That's not exactly what we're going to do at all. We're just going to go over the main things that Tony Khan has done, you know, with the booking of his promotion, how Tony Khan's gone about the first two and a half, somewhat years of AEW and going forward the next six months, next year, two years, three years. It'll be interesting to look back upon this bio, Kevin, in a year or two and see where AEW is and what Tony Khan's done from there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Tony Khan, I, I guess you could say he's a visionary. You could say he's a revolutionary in the wrestling world. And I guess you could say in the, in the NFL and in the uh, football world, you could say he's a bit of a revolutionary. But that's kind of what the guy does. He's given us AEW. He's given us an alternative, good or bad, whether you like it or you hate it or you love it or you're super diehard, whatever it is, wherever you fall into the spectrum with AEW, well, you have to admit that AEW is something special. And I guess we have to thank Tony Khan for that, right? Like, he's pretty much the main guy. Because without him, AEW wouldn't be a thing. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, we've done this song and dance several times in a late heat over the course of our now 22, 23 episodes. WWE and wrestling as a whole in 2018 and the years you know preceding that was in a dire spot. Like WWE, especially in 2018, was awful. AW Tony Khan came along providing an alternative. Tony Khan and the Khan family were the financial backing that makes this new company, this alternative, this, I guess you could call it competitor, possible. They made it viable. So, yeah, absolutely right, Kevin. I mean, without Tony Khan, this isn't a thing. We, the amount of content we wouldn't have had, it just is insane. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, we don't really have a format or a structure. So I guess I'll just ask you, like, where do you want to take this open forum? Like, what do you want to start with? Well, there's, there's so many things like we can talk about with this. I mean, uh, some of the things you could, I mean, we could start with his either relationship and, you know, how he gets on with Dave Meltzer and how that influences AW. 
or we could talk about his style of booking. Or, I mean, like, I think what I think where we'll go to start this off, Kevin, personally, well, let's look at right now. State of the AW products. What do you feel like Tony Khan as a booker is doing well? What's he not doing well? Let's start there. What do you think? I would say what he's doing really well, and you could argue is the best thing that he does, is he knows his audience and he knows what his audience wants and he serves that audience. And that's not something you can say about WWE and Vince McMahon in particular. They don't necessarily appear or they don't come off like they're serving their fans. With AEW, it's clear as day. It's just it's evident with every decision they make. They have what their fan base wants and needs in mind. The fan base, they wanted a Bullet Club reunion. Well, guess what? We got a Bullet Club reunion. The fan base wanted a New Japan crossover. We got a New Japan crossover. The fan base wanted Warhorse to answer Cody Rose TNT title open challenge. We got it. And so on and so forth. You get my point. Yeah. Because I think one of the things as well with that. Tony Khan, throughout the you know the two and a half years of AEW, one thing he's done well as a promoter, as a booker, one thing he has done well is have the finger on the pulse enough to make decisions that need to be made, make changes that need to be made. I remember, I believe it was Nightmare Collective with Brandy Rhodes and I, whoever else was in it. I think Luther and there was another couple so in there. Kong? I remember. Uh, yes, yes. I remember they debuted that. They they had them on TV for like two weeks. And then the feedback was overwhelmingly negative. And Tony Khan made the decision to just pull the plug on that and just not make that a thing anymore. Which, that's good because if we look at the APAL, WWE would have ran that into the ground for like four to five months. And by the end of it, you would have just never wanted to watch wrestling again. So Tony Khan is adaptable most of the time. You know, you know responsive to feedback, trying to improve. That's a definite plus, I think, Kevin. Absolutely. And I would say another overwhelming positive that Tony Khan brings to the table is the way, you know, the way that he empowers his fans, good or bad, right or wrong. Like, there are some fans that they're exceptions to the rule. But for the the most part, Tony Khan makes his fan base feel like they mean, you know, they matter. He makes them feel like the invisible booker or the invisible writer, if you will. And it kind of goes hand in hand to what we just said, but he connects with them on a deeper level. He'll 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 like tweet once in a while. Hey, what do you guys want to see in AEW? What wrestlers do you want we want to see a sign? What wrestlers do you think deserve a push? And you can tell he's actively listening. And I, I mean, these points go hand in hand, but I guess a sense of community is something that we haven't really seen from like a mainstream wrestling company. Not not a mainstream, but a wrestling company with a grand stage like AEW has. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, like, the, like indie promotions, as as you kind of like allude to there, like ones with very small followings, of course, have that kind of community at- atmosphere to them almost. But the fact that Tony Khan has such a big platform with a deal on TNT, all these big name wrestlers, Jericho, Sting, I mean, Cody, like all these wrestlers, the fact that there is that sense of fans feel so attached to it, which we're going to talk in great depth throughout this bio about more so the negatives that spawn from this, but the fact that fans feel so entrenched with AEW. Fans have seen this ever since it started. 
ever since AW became a thing and like really the foundations were laid in 2018 and then it became a thing in 2019 and they had their first episode of Dynamite, their first pay-per-view, this guy was signed, that guy was signed, this match happened, etc. These fans who really are in depth with AW and love it feel so a part of it because as you say, Tony Khan is receptive on social media. He listens, he puts those tweets out. What matches do you guys want to see on hashtag AW Dynamite? What matches do you want to see to make AW a stacked card this week? Like the fans feel a part of it. You know, and that's that's a really good thing for sure. Absolutely. His positive mindset too, he's he always promotes his cards. He promotes every card like it's WrestleMania 17. You know, and yep. I mean yeah you can knock him for it, but I, I mean that's a pretty positive thing to have a positive outlook like that. Now you could now I think the case you make is should he do should he be doing that? Would no. you do that as a promoter? Like, that's maybe the what angle to look at it. But the fact that he does it, and he does it all the time, and is consistent with it, I mean, you have to applaud it. You know, you have to respect it, I think, to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously, the counterpoint to that that I'd make is that, like, the, the word stacked, especially, like, that word particularly, has been so grossly overused and diluted in the past, really, ever since Tony Khan was, you know, in this position with AEW. Literally every match is apparently stacked. I've been told that AW Dark Cards, where the, the most notable match is Sean Spears versus some random bum off the street, is stacked. And I guess that, that, that comes from Tony Khan. That stems from the top when it comes to Tony Khan's promotion. But I mean, talking about the, I mean, the positive of that inherently is that they announce their matches in due time. Like that's a big thing with Tony Khan. They have their cards set up one week, two weeks, three weeks in advance. This isn't like WWE in the past really five to 10 years where you've got episodes of Raw being written as the show's going on. No matches are announced before the show. And all we know is like one segment's going to happen on a three hour show. Like Tony Khan, you know, he has it all together when it comes to this is what's happening next week. And regardless of how that's promoted and how you think of the promotion of it, you know, they have it set in stone, Kevin. Right. These four great matches are happening. This stacked card is happening on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on TNT. Like, we know yeah. that's going to happen. We, so we get the classic Tony Khan tweet at like 10.05 p.m. Eastern time, right after Dynamite goes off the air. And he's like, all right, this is what we got next week. And he's tweeting out the whole card and it gets people excited. You know, it, it, it yeah. creates that like, oh, man, I have to wait a whole other week for Dynamite. Exactly. And then also inherently with that, I mean, you mentioned like the attitude of gratitude towards the fans. Basically, every week it seems you have the Tony Khan tweet. Thank you to all our amazing hashtag AW fans for you know, supporting us and showing up to Daly's place and watching us on TNT and or you know buying our merch. Like th- those tweets are pretty common, which that I do like to see. Like that kind of style is something I kind of go for myself as well. You know, just that an attitude of gratitude towards your audience because these are the people who you know help you run. You know, so. It's awesome to see from Tony Khan, but that kind of stuff I really do get around. That's great. Absolutely. And I think the final positive that we could touch on, another one that really sticks out, is he's not afraid to take risks as a booker. He'll he'll go out there and he'll put on, you know, a death match or something. You know, he'll put on these um these type of matches where you have like John Moxie and Kenny Omega killing each other in a lights out, you know, no holes barred match. And yeah, it's what the audience wants, and he's willing to do it. He's willing to have Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy have a you know a three month program where in WWE if like Chris Jericho would have pitched to Vince McMahon hey I want to work with this Orange Cassidy guy Vince would have laughed him out of the office you know but Tony Khan is willing to do those things because he sees that a guy like Orange Cassidy is getting over 
And he's like, all right, let's see what we can do. Let's see what Chris Jericho could do with him. Now, you could argue, did it work? Did it not? But overall, Tony Khan, he definitely takes more risks than some other wrestling promoters would. Well, that's the other thing. And one of the reasons that's a thing is because Tony Khan and AEW, they listen a lot to their performers, which we're going to talk in this bio about the whole inmates running the asylum theory. And it can be really good because you're listening to these performers, you're having faith in the performers, you're trusting these wrestlers who know their characters better than, you know, the, 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 the higher ups do to put on it, you know, to understand the character and to book a storyline. And that can be really good. And but at the same time, as we're going to probably go into Kevin, it can be pretty detrimental as well. So that's definitely a positive and can be a negative, but that's something that's worth bringing up as, as well. Tony Khan. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, and some other things like he brought freaking wrestling back. He brought another wrestling promotion back to TNT and back to Warner, uh, Warner media. That's just awesome. Like that's a, just a great thing. You know, whether you yeah. like AEW's product or you're not, or you don't, it's still, it's just an unbelievable feat that wrestling in 2021, as niche as it is, has two promotions, two companies that are on live TV in a prominent form. And I guess that's, that's the other thing. I mean, variety. Like once, as you kind of say, is, is whether you love AEW or you hate it, hope it rots in hell and dies tomorrow, regardless of what you think of it, it's it's another promotion for you to have an opinion on. At whether you absolutely adore it or you hate it, there's something to watch on Wednesday nights. Even if you don't want to watch it, there's there's, there's something there. In case you're ever bored on Wednesday night, I'll tune into AEW Dynamite this week. I'll see how they're going. Or if you're infatuated with it and you love it, that's something you can genuinely really look forward to every Wednesday night. That can be like the highlight of your week for a lot of people. And that's a really good thing as well. It gives people a purpose. Especially during the pandemic, like this is one of these other things, Kevin. Mental health during the pandemic, uh, not the greatest it's ever been by far. So the fact of the matter is when you've got AEW Dynamite every Wednesday night to look forward to, that was a big thing for people. And the fact that Tony Khan and AEW kept offering that, regardless of what was on the shows, that doesn't matter. But the fact that they're putting on a show, giving people something to look forward to, giving people an option, a variety, an alternative, that's great to see. Absolutely. Now let's talk about some of the negatives of Tony Khan's booking. Do you want to kick oh, us off? Yeah. Oh God Almighty. Um, okay, this one. I want to talk about this one. I guess the style of booking, and yes, it's booking. It's not writing. What Tony Khan does usually is not writing. What what usually happens really ever since uh, I guess mid twenty twenty. I dare say, Kevin. We'll talk about this more specifically in a moment. Basically, books a match. We can use the prime example of Kenny Omega, Park, Orange Cassidy, the AW World Championship triple threat main event for double or nothing this year. Books the match. There's no real storyline of note. Just throws wrestlers into the ring, says, have a good match. And then that's really just go from there. Like that's, and then to fill in between the match getting announced and the match happening, you usually have a bunch of WWE parody segments in between. Like that kind of thing, Kevin. I'm not using that specifically, but I think that's a definite kind of problem. I think I would, yeah, I can't really argue much with that. It's just, it's kind of WWE ish in a way where a lot of times it's just like, all right, at the pay per view. We're going to have like Roman Reigns with Daniel Bryan at Fastlane. And then the story building up to it is there's not really much there. And I, maybe that is that like a wrestling problem? 
Is that a Tony Khan problem? You could argue that it is a wrestling problem. Because, I mean, there is like 12 months in the calendar year. It's nonstop. Um, it's, it, I, I can imagine it's extremely difficult to come up with a compelling story for every single pay-per-view match 365 days a year, 52, uh, 52 weeks a year. I could imagine it's very tough. But I think we do see this with that being, with all that being said. I do think we see this quite a bit in AEW where some of the matches like don't really make a lot of sense. And I guess it's again catering to the fan base. And yes, that's exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll really quickly, I'll throw it back to you. That, that's as well. I guess it's just listening to the audience, but at the same time, it's just. It's not really going to grow the audience, but it, it's such a tricky one. Like, yes, Khan caters to the 700-odd thousand people who consistently watch every week on Dynamite and listen to them in that regard. But what they do with that is not going to attract a million plus. It's not going to attract 1.5, 2 million people to watch AEW Dynamite. So it's a negative in, in that sense, but at the same time, it's a positive because you're listening. It's a tricky one, Kevin. Yeah, exactly. And people... People want to see uh, – I, I, people in general, like the general public, they want to see good stories. They want to see good writing. But AEW's fan base is not really interested in that. And, I mean, that's evident in the fact that Dynamite as a whole is a two-hour show, what, an hour and 30 minutes with commercials. And there's maybe five minutes of that as segments. And what are the segments? Like the Young Bucks bragging about how they're from Rancho Cucamonga. And like like kicking Tony Schiavone, or you get Dean Ambrose doing like a Stone Cold Dean Ambrose promo, or you get a like a, a seven minute promo from Cody, and that's like pretty much it. The rest of the show yeah. is just matches, people getting beat up in the back, and more matches. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I guess I should, we should phrase it like this: the problem yeah. that the flaw in Tony Khan's booking is that there's not enough emphasis on entertainment in, in his wrestling shows. Yes. Yeah, because th- there's got to be that there. And it, like, it's, we're all, not it's saying... all about promoting wrestling as a sport. That's what he's all about. Oh, this is great action between two competitors, two athletes. It's basically what what WWE tries to do. Like if if uh, if you take out like the like the Miz getting eaten by zombies and like some of the other ridiculous segments that we see, that's what 3 hours of raw would be. Just matches and people getting beat up in the back. But AEW is kind of what it is, just matches. And it's just like a sport, you know? Well, let's look at the why to that, Kevin. I mean, it's kind of because of what professional wrestling is nowadays. In that, like, nowadays, few, few and far between are there wrestlers who are legitimate TV stars. Okay, like, Russo's talked about this a bunch, and just the people who believe that kind of thing as well. TV stars... Uh, the, the, the Roman Reigns of the world, you know, the tribal chief or, you know, Austin or like those types. They're like TV stars. Nowadays, wrestlers, particularly in AW, they're, they're just that. They're wrestlers, you know, and that's just what the business is now. And Tony Khan caters to that, caters to them, the wrestlers, allows these wrestlers mm-hmm. to show off that great execution of moves even though sometimes in AEW there's a lot of bad botches, but nonetheless, hmm. like the, the wrestlers get to do their thing and have good matches. Tony Khan will book these enticing, compelling matchup combinations on Dynamite or on Dark or on Elevation, and the AEW audience will eat that up and say it's so stacked and it's amazing. But 
is that real compelling entertainment? Like if random Joe Schmo, some 32 year old, just regular average male is just flipping the channels and they turn on and see mad Nick Jackson from Rancho Cucamonga <laughs> impersonating, I'm sorry, I love you and slapping their thighs and kicking Christopher Daniels, who's got a blade next to his head as he's bleeding everywhere. Like, is that going to compel? I, I don't know. Can I, can I, I pose I this to you? I, I'll set a table for you. Imagine, like, imagine you're hanging out with, or no, not, not this. Imagine, okay, a friend texts you and is like, hey, come over. I got some people at the house. We're going to have pizza. Uh, we're going to order some wings. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have a good time. We're going to get some alcohol. We're going to have a pretty good time. And you're like, all right, sounds good. You show up to the house and there's like seven people sitting around a television watching AEW. Like, would you be like, oh, wow, this is a great party. I, I, I'm going to stay. Like, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Or would you be like, uh, I think I'll stay like 30 minutes to try to find a way out, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. Because uh, this is one of the things AEW, it just, uh, a lot of it just lacks cool factor. And that's something which I'm sure will get negative feedback. Oh, what? Wrestling shouldn't need to be cool. It just should be great wrestlers putting on their, you know, doing their thing. And I'm just like, look, that thing you mentioned there, that example, that analogy. If AEW is what's playing on screen and we've got Cody Rhodes making his triumphant return after a month on the sidelines and he's punching QT Marshall and you've got Miro slamming Kip Sabian into a garage door and the main event of the show is Arcade Anarchy featuring Chuck T and Trent hugging each other as Orange Cassidy's there with his hands in his pockets. Uh, You look at that and go... Okay, like there's, I'm sure some people like that, and they obviously do, but that's not something that I happily show people. Yeah, Is that fair? right. Like, like if I showed up at like my friend's apartment and they're watching AEW Dynamite, I'd be like, "Yeah, bro, this is not like this isn't cool. Like, what are we gonna do? Like, we can't have like we gonna have girls come over and be like, oh yeah, we're watching Dynamite. You know, we're getting lit. Like, it's just it doesn't have a cool factor. <laughs> Those girls should appreciate great in ring action, Kevin. You should find new friends if they don't appreciate the in-ring action. Damn it. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't be right. Yeah. Yeah. I should. Bought in, uh, bonafide hate caught in 4K, pal. Damn it. A, a bunch of single women in, in their mid-20s should just love the hell out of QT Marshall versus Cody Rose in a bunkhouse match. Like, that's, oh, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so ridiculous. And it's not just an AEW problem. It's not a Tony Khan problem. But to loop this in and make it all make sense is that you could you could argue that that's a flaw in Tony Khan's philosophy with wrestling is that he's not trying to make it cool. He's not trying at all, like since mid-2020. Because when AEW started, especially when Dynamite started, there were some good entertaining segments. There was some stuff that you could point to and be like, wow, I'm not super embarrassed to watch this. You know, like when you have these good segments where like, Kenny Omega is jumping John Moxley and they're, they're fighting in the back and Kenny's going through glass or, you know, you have Jericho making the bad creative line. It, there's some cool stuff going on. You know, they have a show in Miami out by the water or whatever it was. And the, the Jericho cruise, like that's pretty cool stuff. But now it's just, we're going to cater to the internet fans and that's it. And to pivot here, because we've been doing this one for a while, I want to talk about another flaw. And I think we can't talk about Tony Khan's flaws in philosophy of wrestling without mentioning this, the production of AEW, it's entering abysmal territory. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've seen whether it's Jericho getting 
you know, doused in orange juice and liquor. And then you have more notably, more recently, the blood and guts where Jericho lands on a mattress comfortably. He takes a nap on a mattress to end this this just barbaric blood and guts match. Well, well, what did you want? Did you want Jericho to land head first on cement and die? Well, what did you want from them, Kevin? Uh, so people that say that it's like who said who actually wanted Jericho to land on concrete? That, that's another story for another day. And then yeah. AEW Revolution, where you know somebody should have. Somebody should have told Moxley and Eddie Kings to get the hell out of the ring. We got a Disney Works fireworks show going off. There's some sparklers in the ring, pal. Just get out of there. We'll take the L. We'll cut the feed. But instead, they don't. And then we get, you know, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, as Kenny Omega phrased it, 69ing in a ring. Yeah. Like, even uh, real quick, like these production errors, even that revolution ending, you can fix these up quite easily. That Revolution one, particularly, real quick, Kenny Omega could walk out as Eddie Kingston's hunched over in the ring, protecting John Moxley from the little sparklers going off. Omega comes out, goes, you two idiots, you fell for that. You two look like clowns right now. Everyone's laughing at you. Problem solved. But no, nonetheless, the production when it comes to AEW, obviously, Tony Khan is not a seasoned television you know, guys, I'm a seasoned person when it comes to live entertainment, putting on a live show. When something's live, anything can happen. Anything can go wrong. Well, anything well, can go right. Yes, he is seasoned. He's used to producing NFL, NFL games and football games, you know, and, so, oh. and soccer games. But that's a whole, it's, you know, it's not, I know, I, I know, uh, I just have to say that before people attack us. He's used to doing the analytics side of NFL and being big on that. And he's used to, I guess, being involved in the management of, you know, football teams and that kind of thing. It's not like live TV, especially live wrestling is a whole different kettle of fish. So when you've got Tony Khan, I mean, in 2019, he was just like learning to do this, you know, stuff in gorilla and learning to run the shows. And that's cool. But like we're in 2021, Kevin, and the main event of the pay-per-view is ending with a mini sparkler explosion that everyone unanimously laughed at. And then blood and guts, their big TV pay-per-view of 2021 ends with Chris Jericho sleeping on a big white mattress like Kevin. <laughs> th- th- that's just not forgivable. No, that's- it's not. It's not. And it is amateurish. You know, you would never see that in WWE. Like maybe you could find some stuff from the early 80s or the late 80s that looked this bad, but you'd be challenged to um, the way they close that AEW revolution, the way they close revolution 2021. It's like, what in the hell uh, it's just a fatal flaw that you just you can't have things like that continue to happen because then when three months down the line, AEW is putting all their eggs in the basket of this big angle that's going to happen at all out 2021, whatever that big angle is, people are going to be expecting garbage. You know, they're going to be expecting a joke. They're going to be expecting um, flaws. They'd be expecting mistakes. They're not going to be expecting or hoping for something great. That's right. And I mean, just really quickly with the production as well, this is something where WWE, Kevin Dunn and the people who work for him and with him on that production side of things need to get immense credit because the WWE, regardless of how poor creative has been for like over a decade now, just how bad things have been, no one ever questions the production of WWE. WWE, if anything's overproduced, it looks too good, you know? Right. And that's one of the things which AW. Like, AEW's production is better than TNA and Impact Wrestling were in the past, like, decade. 
like TNA, we had like boom mics falling into the set and hitting people. Like, <laughs> nah, AEW is generally decent, but it's AEW's execution and Tony Khan's execution more often than not now of these big angles, which are the ones you talk about, Kevin, these angles, which close pay-per-views, which really are the, you know, the carrying job for storylines. These are the angles which AEW aren't delivering on because production is just not there. They're not executing. And it, it's sooner rather than later, it's going to become a genuine real issue for them. And it's going to stop people from watching their product. Like, why should I keep watching if I'm just going to be disappointed by these angles? Absolutely. That's a very good point. You know, the next thing that we got to talk about is, you know, the, the notion, not the notion, but just the simple fact that you could argue that AEW and Tony Khan, they, they sign people and they don't do anything with them. They, you know, they signed Christian, they signed Big Show, they signed Sting. I don't, and I don't mean people as in people, but they signed these former stars, wrestlers that are still famous, have some name power for the hell of it. Just because he can, just to flex that he got that sweet, sweet con money. He signs Big Show. What has Big Show done? Big Show hasn't been seen on Dynamite in like three months. Big Show's rotting away doing commentary on YouTube. And then Christian, what is he doing? He's doing backstage segments where Dasha Coretta is asking him about his diet plan and, and how and how he tries to be a better wrestler than, than Kenny Omega. Like what what has Christian Cage done? What has Taz done? I mean Taz well, well, before Team Taz, what was Taz doing? He was doing oh brother, this is how you do a suplex, brother. And then he was doing YouTube commentary. What the hell has Sting done since they signed him? He had a good cinematic match. But other than that, he's come out and he's pointed his bat at people and left. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I need to build on that. It's not just, I mean, obviously, the fact that they're signing people and playing up to this whole Tony Khan's toy box theory, that's one thing. And it's just, it's just how they use these people. Like, some of the main examples, Sting, it, it, it's genuinely gross to see how they use Sting. Okay, Sting's been used as though no one backstage knows what to do with him, which I struggle to believe considering you've got Jim Ross, Tully, Arn Anderson, Jake Roberts, all these people backstage with you know seasoned, legendary wrestling minds. None of them can figure out how to use Steve Borden on TV. Well, let, he comes yeah, out... I gotta interrupt you for yeah. a second. Let, let's be yeah, honest. If Cody Rhodes wasn't an EVP, none of those guys you just mentioned would have anything to do with the company. You think the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega is going to bring in freaking Arn Anderson and Jake Roberts and listen to them? No. They, they, they think they're better than anything. They think they're better than those guys everywhere, you know? Well, yeah, because because Kenya Omega and the Bucks execute fake moves better, Kevin. Yep. What's, do I need to say anything more? I mean, oh, yeah. this, this kind of also ties back, I mean, kind of sidetracking away from the signing wrestlers thing for a little moment. This is the other thing. Because Tony Khan is so empowering of the wrestlers, lets the inmates run the asylum to an extent is so pro wrestler like you know for the wrestler the negative of that is these wrestlers nowadays who have the entitlement and have that i'm better than these legends i'm not going to listen to these legends i have a group of stands on twitter who say i'm really good and i deserve better that's all i need to hear hey tony push me i deserve this and tony khan just keeps signing people who are like this most of this aw roster has either that mentality of I deserve better or similar kind of mentality. Very few people on this roster have the old school mentality of I'm grateful to be on TV. I'm listening to these legends feedback. I want to become a better version of myself. More often than not, it's I'm great as I am. Push me. I deserve this. And having so many of those people on the roster, Kevin, it's, it's not the best way to be. 
No, no, I, I, not at all. You know, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it too. It's like Tony Khan, he, he brings in these people and he's like, oh, he probably, you know, he's like, oh, you guys are great. You know, you guys are having great matches on dark. I'm going to push you. And I, I don't know the whole dark. We could talk about AEW dark, maybe as its own segment, if you want, but like, what, what does AEW dark and dark revelation, what does that really do for the company? You know, cause it's like what a hundred thousand people watch that show. And then the other 600,000 people are like, what the hell is going on? Who is this guy? Who is so-and-so? Who is Anthony Agogo? Why should I care about him? Because he had an AEW dark match like six months ago. Now all of a sudden he's facing Martin Luther Cody. Like, why? Why do I care? Well, I'm trying to be as objective as I can, the main reason for AEW dark, well, there's two things. For one, give people opportunities because two hours on AW Dynamite, you can't showcase everyone. And I mean, yeah, obviously. And then the other one is give everyone and their mother who's actively signed by AW just wins. So that when they show up on AW Dynamite, AW can be like, oh my God, SCU is 8-0 in 2021. And I'm thinking to myself, I haven't seen them win one match on Dynamite. Why are they 8-0? Who have they beaten? And they've beaten a bunch of these random teams from like MZQ Pro Wrestling in Jacksonville. And it's like, well, what is this? So, like, that's kind of why. Like, I, I disagree with the latter. The first reason that there's not enough TV time on Dynamite, obviously, Kevin, not, we're not idiots. Obviously, there needs to be an extra show for that. But just how AW go about it with Dark, Kevin, it's not it. To have is two it? extra shows, though? Like, we really need two YouTube shows on Monday and Tuesday? It's a bit much. It's a bit much. It's a lot. Like, I just don't... There's not a lot of people out there that can watch it. I can't like I couldn't sit sit around at six o'clock at night on a Monday night and watch AEW Dark Revelation. I just don't have time. But there are those people, right? Like there are those people who feel so a part of AEW because of the reasons we mentioned before that Tony Khan listens to them and empowers them, and that AEW is like one of like the few things they have to really grasp onto like in life generally. And as a result, they'll they'll happily dedicate an evening to sitting down for an hour and 45 minutes and watching AW Dark Elevation. And they'll sit down on Tuesday and watch two hours of AW Dark. Then they'll sit down on Wednesday and watch two hours of AW Dynamite. They'll watch the Road to AW Dynamite specials on the YouTube channel where you've got Matt Jackson talking about his 32-year love story with Christopher Daniels. And then these are the people who will watch the Dynamite Friday night special when it comes out like next year and whatnot. Like That's the audience they cater to. So... As now, much as I, I would watch, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would watch like instead of an hour and a half or two hours of AEW Revelation on YouTube, I'd watch like a thirty-minute comedy show or like a thirty-minute talk show where like Britt Baker, for example, is hosting the show and she's bringing on people like Anthony Agogo or like um, you know the one of the, the hybrid two or somebody that like we don't know a lot about and trying to develop and get personality out of them. You know, I'd watch that develop the personality aspect all these wrestlers that you have on the roster all whatever it is 80 100 however many they have they're all already good wrestlers they don't need more reps in the ring on monday and tuesday why not do something funny or do something maybe a drama like i don't know something you know what i mean like something where there's a focus on entertainment and developing characters i think that's a great segue into kind of the next point so Kevin, I'll throw this on to you when it comes to AW and their TV deal, TBS, 
I guess talk to us about that and then we'll go from there, I think. Okay, so basically what happens is starting in 2022, um, AEW Dynamite will no longer be on TNT. It's going to be switching over to TBS. And it just, it, this is what it is, but TBS is the secondary network to TNT. So I don't know if that's a great thing. I, I don't know if this is a plan to revamp TBS where Warner Media is looking at this like, okay, AEW is one of, if not our biggest asset. We're going to put it on TBS and we're going to try to develop TBS. We're going to try to bring that up to speed with TNT because everybody knows TNT. You've got uh, some good drama shows on there. You have at the NBA, you have the NBA playoffs on there. You have Shaq and Charles Barkley. TNT is where to go versus TBS. On TBS, you have, you know, Saturday afternoon baseball. You got some old comedy shows from the 90s. Like, it's just, it's, it's a channel of reruns. So you bring AEW there. Is that the idea? Elevate AEW? Or is it Warner Media looking at it like, well, we just got the NHL. We're going to put the NHL on TNT because we want to have real sports. And we're going to relegate this wrestling thing over to TBS, the secondary network, until the deal expires with, with AEW, and then we're going to get rid of them. Like, who knows? Who knows how this is going to play out? It could play out either way. It could just be as simple as, well, we have the NHL, we have to move AEW. Sorry. And we're going to keep AEW, and we're just going to put them on TBS, and hope those 700,000 people watch AEW every week on a different channel. Yeah. I, it's definitely an interesting one, and something that, in the next year to come, it's going to be a big watch this space with AEW because when the, the news came out that, oh, AEW are moving to TBS for this, my, my reaction was, I mean, I, I, is this the negative cynical reaction? I don't know. My reaction was, isn't this what happened to Impact Wrestling and TNA? Yeah. Where you just gradually get bumped down the networks. You go from TNT, like, you know, like the major, like a, like a very major network in the United States and North America, and then you go to TBS, and then what? You know, HBO or what? Not HBO, just any one of these like random networks like below that, below TBS. Like, is that AW's trajectory? And really, I think I want to bring this up with you now, Kevin. You, we've kind of talked about this off a late heat, and I think you're a big you know conveyor of this, and you can speak to this really well. I'll throw to you in a moment. Wrestling TV as a whole. Like, do you think something needs to change with it? Like, do you think the format of just AW with like a lot of matches for the sake of it and empowering the wrestlers just in the ring? I mean, you mentioned like wrestler talk shows and options. Do, do you think we need to say more of that? Like, just generally? Like, yes, yeah, so I think something needs to change. Like, why in the hell does Britt Baker not have a sitcom on YouTube? A twenty-minute sitcom. She's just like having different wrestlers on, making jokes, and we're seeing a different side of the wrestler of wrestlers. She's so damn entertaining. Why is that not a thing? You know, why, like, why can't we get Chris Jericho doing like a live talk is Jericho, uh, a live stream on YouTube? Like, why can't we get stuff like that? Why are we getting like Tony Khan sitting in a room with Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards answering questions about the next six months of AEW dark booking on an episode on his like fifth appearance on the AEW podcast? You know, <laughs> but yeah, like like wrestling as a whole. I think from a TV perspective, yeah, I think it definitely needs to change. And I think it's I think it's like almost criminal at this point that no wrestling company, whether it's WWE, AEW, New Japan, Impact, just some of the, the bigger names, or a, a unknown indie company or a wrestling company that hasn't even been thought of or doesn't exist yet, why is nobody trying to get into the streaming market? And yes, I know WWE has
has their library on Peacock in the United States. But that's not what I mean. Good for them. But, you know, like, why is the why is there not like a seasonal wrestling product that is exclusive on Netflix that is developing seasons of wrestling? A different look at wrestling, kind of like what Lucha Underground tried to do, more cinematic, more dark, different, something outside of the box. Like, what, why is there not a 13-episode season on Netflix with good wrestling, good stories, and then it culminates in a big special, a, like, three-hour exclusive Netflix special, like a, paper, like a pay-per-view almost? What, why is that not a thing yet? I don't know. It's just the way that, the way that uh, content and entertainment has changed, the way we consume it, you can watch literally anything with the push of a button on, on your phone. But wrestling is still, like, stuck in the late 90s. It's stuck in this live TV uh, model that just, it's proven that it doesn't work. Ratings are down all across sports. Football, basketball, soccer, baseball, hockey, everything is down across the board in ratings because people can go on an app and they can watch highlights instantaneously as they happen. Somebody hits a home run. Uh, Mike Trout hits a home run. It's going to be on Twitter within a minute of it happening. You know, there's no need to sit and watch a baseball game for three and a half hours on a Monday night. When you can see all the highlights, I, I don't know. I just think something needs to change with the way the wrestling model is is, uh, is consumed. Oh, definitely, and it's it's not exactly like a Tony Khan exclusive problem. It's it's a wrestling problem, and because Tony Khan is literally the guy who operates the second biggest company in wrestling, he's a big part of this. How wrestling is portrayed how wrestling is seen, how wrestling is produced, how it's consumed. These are the things which Tony Khan, I mean, we mentioned the word revolutionary earlier in this video. I think he could be the guy who does this. He could well and truly with the financial backing they have with, you know, the TBS, TNT stuff, with all these deals they can make with the personnel they have. Tony Khan could be the guy who takes pro wrestling out of this tired, stale format it's in to something fresh. You mentioned a Britt Baker sitcom there. That, that'd be fantastic. Why is the only real, I guess, character development get to know the wrestler show we get is AW unrestricted on their YouTube channel. And that gets literally like 8,000 views most episodes. Unless like Sting's on there. And why do we get, I mean, if you want to watch Being the Elite, I mean, I guess that's something that, I mean, is that it? Like, like wrestling needs to change away from where it's at. Kevin, we're in the generation, we're in the TikTok generation. People's attention spans are shorter than they've ever been. That is basically a fact. Okay, attention spans have never been that long. So you always want to have a show that's going to keep you actively engaged. A wrestling show that's structured the way Tony Khan's AW Dynamite, AW Dark, AW Dark Elevations are structured. Not it. Okay, when it's two hours of, let's look at... Grown men in their underwear, perfectly executing moves that everyone knows aren't like real for the most part. It just, there's not enough of an audience for that. It, it's, it's stale. It's tired. There needs to be a revolution in that regard. There needs to be a way for pro wrestling to take a step forward. Whether that's a Lucha Underground style, whether it's not, whatever the way forward is, something needs to happen. And Tony Khan, Kevin, realistically, he should and could and should well be at the forefront of that. Absolutely. And I got to pivot back to the TV deal for a second. Do you think that the executives of Warner Media were looking at AEW and they were like, this is not what we signed up for. And that's why they moved to TBS. Because like, realistically, they probably thought, okay, 
we screwed up with WCW the first time around. We have another opportunity again to have this wrestling company. We're going to give it a platform and we're going to try to grow our brand. And if we're going to have this wrestling company succeed, bring in millions and millions of dollars and we're going to have these superstars, whatnot. And then what these guys that Warner, these executives, they're seeing, okay, Sting came out. He pointed a bat at somebody again. Oh, Chris Jericho is getting doused with orange juice by like a high school kid. I, I don't know if like, do you think that the people at Warner feel like they they got sold a bit of goods? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think on paper in 2018 and 2019, when you've got Tony Khan, you've got the elite, you've got all these people like the Khan family pitching this to these executives, these suits and ties. I think AW on paper around its inception would have sounded fantastic for a TV deal. It's an alternative to WWE. It's bringing wrestling back to TNT. This is going to be, you know, we're going to take the things WCW never did. We're going to do it 20 years later on TNT, all late wrestling. We're going to have Chris Jericho. We're going to have all these you know, big notable name stars in wrestling. We've got the, the backing of the Khan family. I think, the actual pitch of AEW would have sounded fantastic. And when the deal was signed, it, these executives probably thought it was really good. But as you allude to there, when AEW hit the pandemic and really after that, a lot of the decisions, it went from a show that was written to at least try and be somewhat cool with Jericho Moxley, with Jericho and Cody Rhodes and the inner circle punching the elite and the stadium stampede stuff and everything. MJF cutting, you know, brazenly arrogant promos, dissing neckbeard fans in the crowd, touring schedules, a couple thousand people every AW show. That was great. But the direction, and to answer your question there, were they sold false goods almost? And is that a factor in leading AW to where it is now? Honestly, yeah. I, I, if these executives were sold, oh, well, we're, we're literally going to put a bunch of random matches with people who no one's ever heard of. We're going to put being the elite on mainstream TV. We're going to have our world champion be some guy who's going to 69, a 65 year old international businessman in the middle of the ring. <laughs> and like, if they were, if they were told that three years ago, I don't think I would have signed the contract, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, if you can't already get it, we're saying the move to TBS is a bad thing for AEW. It's not, it's not something that anybody should be celebrating. There's no way to flip it into a good thing unless, like I said, Warner Media's plan is to make TBS a good to great network again and, you know, rise it from irrelevancy with AEW at the headline of that. Unless that's the case, the move to TBS for AEW Dynamite is not a good thing at all. Warner Media signed the NHL and they threw AEW out, basically. Like, that's pretty much what yes. happened. That's the way to look at it. We're not trying to be negative. We're not insulting your favorite wrestling promotion. We're not looking, you know, this is, we're not looking at it with rose colored glasses. We're not going to try to flip the narrative here. It's a bad thing that they got moved to TBS. Yeah. Cause you've got television as it is, is a dying platform, streaming, social media. That's the future. You've, we've talked about this in a number of different videos and podcasts. That's where it's at. And AW, even in that world of TV dying, they've been kicked off a network, basically. I mean, that's what's happened. And they've been relegated down to TBS. And, like, 
I don't know. Obviously, the people are going to still support them. People are going to still support, obviously. People are still going to watch them regardless of what network it's on. Awesome. Amazing. But the fact of the matter is they went from TNT to TBS. And is that great for Tony Khan's promotion? Is that something that they really should be proud of? Uh, yeah. I put it this way. During March Madness... TBS gets the games that the, the college basketball games that nobody wants to watch. All the good games, they go on True TV or CBS or TNT, I think. But they, you know, they put the games that nobody wants to watch, like the, the, the random games with no implications go on TBS. And yeah, there's just nothing there on TBS. I don't know. It's not a good thing. It's, it's not good at all. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I think with that being said, I think we can kind of, Transition away from that a bit. One thing I want to talk about, I've kind of mentioned it a bit here, but I think I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think Tony Khan has too much of a, not a fascination with, an obsession with, but too much of a kind of dependence upon, I'll call it a Dave Meltzer style of wrestling show. And by that, what I mean is matches first, the in-ring is what matters, we're not going to put as much emphasis upon the entertainment side of things. Kevin, do you think Tony Khan has too much of that mentality in his booking? Yeah, uh, yeah. Simple, simple answer. Yeah, I, I think he cares about what Dave Meltzer brings to the table. I think realistically, Tony Khan, at ten years old in 1992, was reading the Wrestling Observer newsletter, and now he's in a position where. You know, he's read these negative narratives from Dave Meltzer because Dave Meltzer was doing it long before it was cool. Dave Meltzer was burying and bashing every single thing that WWE did in the late 80s, mid 80s, late 70s, whatever long he's been writing. Through the 90s, through the Attitude Era, he was bashing just about everything. So now Tony Khan is like, oh, wow, I I could change this. I could be the company that gets praised in the dirt sheets. I could be the company that everyone writes good things about. I could be this. I could be that. And it shows. In his booking style. It really does. It, it's it's like, I, I will never forget when Britt Baker had that genuinely really good match with Thunder Rosa and like Britt Baker was like bleeding that match, the unsanctioned one. And like the clip of Tiny Khan saying, oh, like, that's going to be nominated for show of the year. That, that, that match is going to be, you know, up there in the awards. And then Britt Baker's like, oh, I, I, really, I really hope Dave Meltzer like that. Like, Stuff like that goes to show you the mentality that sends from the top. And in this case, that, that mentality comes from Tony Khan. Khan was that guy who probably most likely had a notepad and he'd watch WWF in your house, whatever, and he'd write down his star ratings for the shows. Then when he gets the Wrestling Observer newsletter and a week from then, he'd compare his ratings to Meltzer's. And like, I mean, Tony Khan, he's been, you know, set, this has been said by AW personnel and people who really know Tony Khan. The man's like a wrestling encyclopedia. He knows literally everything about each wrestler's match, you know, match log, who wrestled where, who's had programs with who, what company did this match when and where this happened and what storyline. Like, Tony Khan is that guy. Tony Khan, in that regard, him and Meltzer get on amazingly. These two guys are on Wrestling Observer having literal phone calls way too often, I'd say. So they get on really well. Obviously, Tony Khan, because of that, I guess tries to cater to Meltzer, cater to that style. Is that good for AEW? Has that been something that's been a big factor in AEW being moved from TNT to TBS? I mean, I, I, I think so, Kevin. I, I don't know. 
like yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's part of it when you're rest when you're catering and you're writing and you're booking a style of wrestling promotion wrestling product that is catered toward the Dave Melsers of the world. That product is not going to be cool enough to stay on a mainstream network, on a mainstay television network. It's just not going to be cool enough. You know, like imagine if Vince yeah. McMahon wrote the shows to appease Dave Meltzer. Imagine that. Like in 1991, Vince McMahon was like, oh, we're not going to do Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter in the main event of WrestleMania in, what, at seven? We're going to do Rick Martel versus Ricky Steamboat in the main event because that's what Meltzer wants. That'll be a great match. There would be no WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, I mean, Double B's done that since really, really since Neville, Sami Zayn, Tyler Breeze. Since that NXT crop in like 2014 and the NXT takeovers became a thing, Double B's been involving that in their product. And ratings have gone from 5 million viewers down to 1.5 on Monday nights in five years. And that's been a big factor in it. Like, it's just, it's been proven over time that that is not what gets TV ratings. And in wrestling, especially nowadays, TV ratings is one of the biggest metrics that's used to measure, I guess, a success. Whether it should be or it shouldn't be, that's a whole separate video in itself. But the fact of the matter is the, the ratings are not helped by the style of booking that Tony Khan uses and prides himself upon. And really for the past year, Kevin, ever since about double or nothing 2020 thereabouts, AW style of booking has gone from, you know, obviously there's that wrestling emphasis, but having cool characters, cool angles, cool storylines, cool moments to now it's just more so the, the quote unquote cool moments involving like the world champion in this case nowadays, Kevin is Kenny Omega taking off orange Cassidy sunglasses, putting the sunglasses on himself and then saying that three years ago, he was the cleaner. (laughs) That's legit. I'm dead serious. That happened three weeks ago. Uh, and that's the kind of edgy, long-term storytelling that AEW is using to bridge the gap between starting, a, like announcing a match and doing a match. Because the matches will be good because that's what Tony Khan likes to do. That's what Dave Meltzer wants. But like beyond that, Kevin, what's that going to do for ratings? What's that going to do for interest? What's that going to do outside of appeasing the very niche, small target demographic of AEW? And the fact uh, and, of the matter is, and, and to bring this point home, so we're not just a couple of assholes burying AEW and Tony Khan. I have to yeah. pose this perspective for for all of you listening. What made most of us fall in love with wrestling? What made the general public fall in love with wrestling back in the late in the mid eighties with Hulk Hogan, and then again in the late nineties with Stone Cold Steve Austin, when wrestling was at its biggest, it was the characters, the memorable moments, and there was less of a focus on matches. Nobody remembers. When Rick, Ricky Steamboat did a, a great arm drag to, you know, hacksaw Jim Duggan. But everyone remembers when <laughs> Hulk Hogan was carrying Miss Elizabeth to the back and Macho Man was seething mad, thinking that Hulk Hogan was trying to make a play at his wife. Everybody remembers when Jake the Snake Robert's snake bit Macho Man. Everyone remembers when Stone Cold did the beer bath thing. That's what made wrestling great. And... How many of those moments have we seen in AEW? Not a lot. You know, moments that were supposed to be that way. The the Mimosa match with, with Jericho and, and Orange Cassidy. It's just a 49-year-old man taking a bath in vodka and liquor. I mean, vodka and orange juice. 
And the exploding, exploding deathmatch. It was supposed to be one of those moments. Oh my god, I'm going to tell my kids about this moment. What was it? Two grown men 69ing while Disney, Disney World fireworks go off. Again, blood and guts. Chris Jericho, he falls into a mattress. Like, where are these moments? Are there any big moments? Can you think of any? That's a... Like, I know, like, we're like, co-hosted with this, and they're not trying to push the narrative, but that's a damn good point when it comes to, like, what are the moments? Because, my God, like, Kevin, I'll answer your question in a moment, but, like, I, I, I have random YouTube videos come across my recommended being like, I miss wrestling, what happened to wrestling? And it's, like, two 28-year-old men or, you know, like a 36-year-old man going, man, I remember back in the day watching you know, The Undertaker crucifying someone on Raw, the, the beer truck, Austin hitting McMahon with a bedpan, like all these moments. You mentioned Hogan and Elizabeth there, like all this stuff. When it comes to AEW, those moments, where were they? Like in, in the early days of Dynamite, AEW were trying to make them. Like straight up, Jericho, uh, you know, a, you know what, what, a stupid idea from Bad Creative, Jericho and the inner circle uh, having their skybox raided by the elite and there's like glass being smashed and they're in the concourse brawling and moments like that. Moxley DDTing Omega through the coffee table on the first dynamite. That's, that's stuff you, you're probably going to remember. Is it all time legendary pro wrestling angles? Not really. And matter of fact, Kevin, it's funny you mentioned what are those AW moments because more often than not, AW is just gone with a WWE famous moment. Like, Mike Tyson being in a brawl with the face of the company, or I mean, like these happen all the time now. It's just these WWE ripoff ones, like Sammy Guevara spraying bubbly onto the pinnacle. Like these type of moments, it's just take WWE, take a legendary moment from them, and just rip it off with wrestlers who are nowhere near as interesting. Because AEW, Kevin, I, I can't think of what like in the past like year a moment that genuinely stands out. Can you? Right, like, I mean, you have, like, Jericho and Tyson. I almost forgot about that, so you brought it up. Like, it happened, and then what? Nothing. You know, so, yeah, I mean, and we've already seen it with Austin Tyson. We've seen it. We've seen that. saw that 23 years ago. Yeah. And, like, the only, the only, like, one of the only moments I remember from the past, literally, the past year of AEW, the moments that I genuinely remember of good, I remember Brody Lee destroying Cody and winning the TNT title. Um, is Omega winning the world title after a, a a screw job with Don Callis in a messy finish? Is that really like a legendary moment you can is tell that, your kids about? Is that about? an all time great moment that, like, when you're telling your grandkids about this company called Ollie Wrestling, you're gonna mention that you'd be like, "Oh yeah, Kenny Omega won the title after you know Don Callis got tricked Dean Ambrose into elbowing him in the face." You know, like, yeah. Yeah, like, so let's, let's be objective. Sting's debut, I think that's probably the best thing. But, I mean, you look at what's happened since then. Like, December 2nd, 2020, winter is coming, Sting debuts. It's Sting! Oh, my God, what a moment. Oh, my God, Sting's an AW. Awesome. Genuinely cool. What? And then... What, wait, wait, let, let me say this. What was Sting's yeah. debut? Let me play Devil's, uh, Devil's Advocate. What was Sting's debut? It snowed in Florida? Oh, oh, wow. You know, they had fake snow for Sting's debut. And then you had Tony Giovanni screaming, it's Sting. We've seen it already in WCW. We've seen that a hundred million times. You know? Exactly. It, like, it's just... Kevin, I don't know. The lack it's, of it's originality tough. is what I think we should phrase it as. There's not much originality yes. with AEW. It, their, well, their wrestling style is mimicked from New Japan 
pretty much, and like you know, yes. um, Mexican lucha libre. Yeah, their character development, their promos, their best promos is guys ripping off WWE or making fun of WWE. So yes, correct. Yep, and yeah, it's just segments. Usually, the best segments are just ones we've already seen, and then. Look, Kevin, I think this stems from the AVPs as well. Because the Young Bucks, their characters, are, the, are, the, uh, are that they're parodies of wrestlers. They're from Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah. And that's that's Tony Khan's promotion. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. <laughs> that's AW. Yeah. That's, that's parodies. It's a, a style of... Well, well that, that's what that's what brought them to the dance was doing parodies. That's what brought the elite fame was you know when they started parodying the NWO and doing the Too Sweet and the Suck It and you had Cody making fun of WWE and Ring of Honor doing these promos where he's like oh you know uh, you're gonna go develop your skills with Hunter or something like that you know he's cutting these edgy quote unquote edgy promos like that's that's what brought them to the dance. Like Kevin. Kevin, so with that said, this not, not just about the young bucks, just generally with like the elite and just like not really with Tony Khan, but would you say the term fake it till you make it applies? And now that they made it to a mainstream TNT two-hour live wrestling show every week, now that they made it to the big time, do you feel like they've kind of been exposed? The big AVPs. Time. Big time. Oh, the EVPs? Yeah, big time. Yeah. Big, big time. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Omega, I, Kenny Omega talked this big game about, oh, you know, we're going to have the best women's division. And we see how that's gone. The Young Bucks talked this big game that tag team wrestling was going to be more important than ever. We see how that's gone. Cody Rose said every single match was going to matter. Every storyline was going to matter. Wins and losses were going to matter. And, yeah, we see how, that go- how that's gone, too. Yeah. Like I, I honestly think that's kind of a bit of that. That's a lot of AW's identity. Like uh, trying to look at that, as, trying to look at their promotion in such like an objective like lens. Like this isn't just us saying, "Oh, AW suck." I hate AW. Indie jobber. Like that's not. Well, we're, we're trying. To, we're, we're running this down as a bio of Tony Khan, looking at his promotion. What's happened to it? The, the, the right. three years since it became announced. Try and look at this as objectively as possible. Like why the ratings can't stay above a million viewers for longer than two weeks in a row. Why their audience isn't growing. What's happening? Like we're trying to look at this objectively, Kevin. And well, I think the whole well, thing. Well, is, well, let's let's yeah. um, let's tie back the EVP's point to Tony Khan. Tony yeah. Khan is the guy that appointed four full-time active wrestlers as EVPs of his company. And not only does he expect them to be full-time wrestlers, he expects them to run the show at the same time. Is he right or wrong for doing that in your in your mind? Look, I think the I think the whole the premise of that isn't it? like when you lay it out that way, that's not a good thing. I, I, I think on paper, like when they announced it in AW in their first year I think, I think it was fine. Like, yeah, obviously there were detractors who right from the jump called that out and were like, what, you're having four active full-time pro wrestlers with natural egos you know, who, you know, who want to be the best themselves. 
as the guys who are both wrestling and behind the scenes, heavily signing people, promoting, et cetera, and Tony Khan's empowering that. I I think at the time that was like, okay, but really as the promotion's gone on, like one of the things, Kevin, a real recent example, Cody Rhodes having legitimate real life heat with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Cody and the Bucks and Omega aren't staying on the same page. Like that's just, that was always going to happen. It always was. Like, what do you think of that specifically? Right. And, I, yeah. and I'll say this too real quick. The, the other side of the coin, you can hate on Khan for giving those guys EVP positions. But the other side of the coin is that WMB was apparently offering all four of those guys huge money. And he had to do something to get them to sign with him. Khan being. Because, like, let's say he doesn't offer Kenny Omega an EVP position. He's just like, yeah, bro, I want you to come in, be the face of this company, be a great wrestler. Well, then he's like, all right, I'm going to go make $10 million working for Vince and I'll be on main event. You know, I'll work like one day a week and I'll eat catering with my friends and I'll make $10 million, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, let, let me get back to the point that you made. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, recap it again. Uh, pose it to me again. Uh, essentially, yeah. Like Cody Rhodes having real life heat with uh, yes, yes, Omega yes. and the Bucks, and people also as well. People, journalists, wrestling journalists, reportedly being too afraid to report it. If you want to mention that as well, but yeah, go right, on. right. So you got Cody with, and are we, are we surprised that Cody has no, real no. life heat? Like, are we gonna sit here and try to pretend like we're shocked that that these guys have heat? It's not just a Cody thing, but you put four guys. With egos like these four guys have, you know, the Young Bucks, they can make fun of everyone, but no one can make fun of them. Kenny Omega, in his bio, he says he's the best bout machine. And then Cody Rhodes is the son of Dusty Rhodes, and he's been told all his life how great he is. So are we shocked here that these four guys can't function together? No. You can clearly tell who was booking what within the company. You can clearly tell what Cody's booking, because he's out there doing it himself. You can tell what the Bucks are booking. You can tell what Kenny's booking. And these guys are running the company. They're literally involved in every big segment. And yeah, I mean, they have heat. It is what it is. And will they figure it out? Maybe. Because it's a whole different ball game when you're working for Ring of Honor and you're showing up to work and you're wrestling a good match. And then you're going back on the road and you're going to like Waffle House and you're hanging out. And you're like, yo, what if we were in charge? And you're doing all this fantasy booking, having these great conversations so not, it's one thing to be doing that and then showing up and you're wrestling for someone else's company. It's another thing to be doing it for your own company. It's a completely other thing when those, hey, what if we were in charge of Ring of Honor? When that becomes reality and you are in charge of your company, that changes the game entirely. And we've seen it. And what's going to happen here? Is there going to be a fallout? Realistically, like, what, there's two more years left on all these guys' contracts? They all signed apparently five-year deals with AEW? What's to say that Kenny Omega is not like, screw it. I'll go wrestle Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 41. I'll get paid $8 million to do that. Screw it. I don't need this. Or what's to say the Young Bucks will be like, all right, yeah, we'll go to WWE. We'll wrestle the Usos in the New Day for a few million dollars. But what's to say that's not possible? Well, Kevin, I'll ask you this to kind of supplement all of that. Where do you see AW in 2024? Hmm. Wow, I mean, I... Because 2023, uh, that's the year, like, TNT extended them through 2023. So, and also these guys, the contracts, as you mentioned, they run, they're the five-year deals. So, they're going to be there till 2023, obviously. So, we're going to have the remainder of 2021, 2022, 
and 2023 with AW, either as it's presently constructed or fairly similar. After that, who knows, honestly? Well, realistically, I'll go ahead. No, you go. I'd, you go. Now, realistically, you got Warner Media. Are they going to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for AEW to be on their secondary network? Is that that's not going to be a thing? If their plan is not to build TBS and make it a, a premier network on t- on TV, and they're just throwing AEW there because they don't know where else to put them, they're not going to pay hundreds of million dollars for that. So realistically, what's going to happen with AEW? Like, is Tony Khan going to be like, "All right, bro, let's go on, let's go on Access TV, or let's go on some channel that nobody watches? It's like a it's like a hunting network or something." Like, no. They're gonna they're gonna cut their losses. He's gonna go back to running the NFL. He's gonna say, "What you know? What I live my dream. I was able to say that I ran a wrestling promotion. I've been there, done that. Now I'm gonna go back to working for the Jaguars." Exactly, because the the Khan family have that much money that they can do that. Like I don't know the exact the, the exact finances of how much exact money the Khan family has versus like Dixie Carter and her parents and what all that kind of stuff, but. It's, it seems as if the Khan family and Tony Khan and all this would be a bit more willing to cut the losses and just go back to running Fulham FC, Jacksonville Jaguars, probably invest in another business, buy something else, like keep making business moves, as opposed to Tony Khan grasping onto AW through 2024, 25, 26, 27, as their audience just dwindles and dwindles away and they go on these like random like fourth tier American TV networks. Yeah, right, right exactly. Right. Like I, I could see, like I said, I could see people being so sick of Cody's BS that they're just going to leave. The Young Bucks just be like, oh, I'm tired of this guy. Let's get out of here. Let's go make some money while we can because AEW is a sinking ship. And yeah, like Cody, sorry, cut you off. Cody goes to run for mayor of Atlanta or mayor of Georgia, and you've got the Young Bucks just, you know, Young Bucks and Kenny go to WWE. And Kenny Omega maybe gets like an AJ Styles push as Omega's like 41 by this point. And you got the Young Bucks having a, a couple of dream matches against the Usos and the rest of these AEW guys. Sting retires and Darby Allen goes to have great Puro matches in Japan where he's breaking his neck every week. Like that's a genuine possibility. Right. Get going. Exactly. And like, like what is, what's the Elise reaction? What's Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks reaction as Cody Rose is cutting this promo? Where he's acting like he's the only person in the history of, of the world to have a half black, half white child. Like what what are they sitting there thinking? What what is like you got Kenny Omega, he's sitting next to like Michael Nakazawa and Tony Khan. What the hell are those guys thinking as Cody is cutting this promo on live TV in front of seven hundred and fifty thousand people on on live TV and what uh, seven hundred people in attendance? Well what are these people what are they thinking? You know? Yeah, I it's beyond me. Like, I mean, we can, I think we need to do a bio on Cody Rhodes in like yeah. pretty soon. But just to really quickly sum up, you've got a guy who grew up with Ric Flair, like, you know, <laughs> sleeping in his guest room with random females from the nightclub, like most nights. You have Arn Anderson and Tully walking around with Dusty, having like big dinners where they're eating these buffets. And you've got like, you'll probably steroids around the house, supposedly. You got Cody Rhodes. He's just living, he's growing up as some just privileged American white boy watching all this happen. And this is the guy who's trying to cut hard times promos about the state of racism in 2021 on Dynamite. He's, he's like crying. Like, like this is one of the guys who Tony Khan has given the position to. 
it's like, is this what AW needed? Was Cody Rhodes the guy who AW needed to make an EVP? Like you mentioned, you know, so that Cody didn't sign WWE, he gave him that EVP spot. And it's like, is that going to end up biting him, you know, biting Tony Khan in the backside, so to speak? That that's going to end up being one of the main kind of downfalls in the company. Like it wastes to be seen. We don't know. Maybe in five years' time, Kevin AW is ahead of WWE in all metrics. Maybe, maybe. But maybe. with with everything and the direction it's trending, and what I don't know. Like, what, it's such what, a. What is Tony Khan thinking? What is Tony Khan thinking as Cody's cutting this promo? Like. You, you picture Tony Khan, he's on the phone with like some NFL player negotiating a, a massive contract for him to sign with the Jaguars, like 20 minutes before AEW goes on the air. He's late to the show. He goes to sit down next to the Young Bucks. And the first thing he sees is Cody talking about racism in America. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, what the hell is going on in my company? Yeah. It, uh, look, I, I don't even know. I... I guess from everything we've seen of Tony Khan, he'd probably just Cody would come backstage after that, and Khan would probably pat him on the back and be like, "That was, that was an amazing promo." That reminded me of that Hard Times promo your father cut, and Cody would probably be sitting there like chuffed. He'd be like emotional, and then he'd probably go on Twitter and see everyone hating it and probably think otherwise. But no, nah, I, I don't even know. And also, one thing, unless anything else you want to say, there's one thing I want to move on to. It's just Tony Khan on screen. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about oh, yeah. Tony Khan as the on-screen actor and the on-screen TV personality, or do you want to keep talking about Cody? No, like, no, 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 no. I just I was trying to tie that back to, to Tony Khan because we went on a Cody tangent. Um, but yeah, yeah we're going to do a Cody bio. I, I know you guys want to hear that. It's just now's the right time to do a Cody bio if there ever was one. But with the, Tony Khan, the on-screen character, God, I mean, we've seen it couple times on dark where he's like stuttering trying to make matches he looks very uncomfortable you can tell he's clearly out of his element he's super nervous and then there's the promos he does on impact where he's like yeah i can can buy this company (laughs) tony giovanni's like in a new year's hat and like (laughs) this is what we have going on and everybody's freaking out like oh my god tony god is the man oh my god look at this promo and it's like we already know everyone watching knows that tony khan can buy impact does uh, does that make him vince mcmahon in 1997 after after he did the eyes screw or brett screw brett promo is that what tony khan is trying to make himself this evil villainous billionaire heel by saying oh i could buy impact pal like Bro, like, I don't know. It just, he, he comes off like a nerd. Yeah, I'm not trying to be disparaging, but it's just what he comes off as. And it's not really entertaining. There's nothing wrong with being a nerd. It's fine, but it's no, not it's really just, entertaining. It's just, it's just him being put on TV, which is such a dumb thing to say at face value. But it's a guy who's grown up just idolizing wrestling and loving professional wrestling, being put on camera and being on the other side of things. And he's just, it, it doesn't click. It's not him. Maybe after a bunch of practice, he'll improve a little. But Tony Khan, he's not a natural on-camera guy. And people, it's like there are people, some people, and generally speaking, a lot of people who aren't, you know, don't want to be doing public speaking, aren't the, you know, the people who love doing on-camera stuff, especially on like a TV show. That's not made for everyone. Tony Khan's clearly not made for that, especially on like a live show. Like those AW and Impact Wrestling taped vignette videos, 
like Tony Khan isn't like stuttering as much. He's like less kind of like nervous probably because there's been a few pre-takes. But even then, it's just how he comes off. It's like this, it's like a giddy excitement and like, like nervousness. And it's just like, well, it's like, oh, well, um, I have money. <laughs> Shivani, what do you think? Like, I don't know. Because like Vince McMahon had this arrogance of like, I'm more jack than you. I'm more rich than you. I'm better than you. And like, it was just, it felt like a, a really good, arrogant, natural, cocky heel. But Tony Khan just seems like a giddy guy who's always wanted to be on a wrestling TV show. Now he is. And he just, he, he doesn't click with him. Is that fair? Yeah. It's like he doesn't know how to act. Kind of, you know, it's like, it's like you give a kid a bunch of cookies and then it's like, that's never had cookies before. And they just, you know, they just go crazy and start eating like a hundred packs of cookies. Nine days from tonight. Matt's like, nine days from tonight. You get your mats. Nine days from tonight. Nine days. It's like, this is giving me the promo that you associate with Tony Khan. Like, if Tony Khan never becomes like an on-screen figure and AW, heaven forbid, goes out of business at the end of their TNT deal in 2023 and they cut their losses, the promo I'm going to look back upon and everyone's going to look back upon with Tony Khan is him on AW Dark stuttering through a promo setting up Matt Seidel versus Kenny Omega in nine days from tonight. Yeah, and it's you, like, know, you know, it's only a matter of time before he's a TV character. I, I can see it now, the first Dynamite with, with a full crowd in attendance. Tony Khan's going to come out, pat himself on the back, and boom, we're going to get Tony Khan as a character, pal. We're going to get Tony Khan and every AW personnel on the stage, and they're going to try and do what they did at WrestleMania 37 with Vince and the WWE roster. And you'll have Tony Khan being like, He'd be like legitimately like crying. He'd be like stammering or stuttering through the promo, being like, I'm so happy, guys. Thank you for supporting AEW. You, you make this possible. And he'd be like crying and all these like, you know, the, the beards at whichever reign that they're out would be like clapping, like, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. And he'd be like crying. It'd be like this like dynamite AEW moment. Everyone will look back upon with reverence. And it's like, okay, another WWE parody. What can you do? Basically, uh, that that's what we're gonna get. And I mean, it's, is it unfortunate? No, but that's just the reality of the situation. And then he's gonna be out. He's gonna come out every week following this dynamite and just be like, "All right, guys, I have a great match card for you." And yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get more Tony Khan on camera. I can see it. I should, I could just see it. Well, Kevin, this I want to tie this back to the conversation we're having before about like just the wrestling business as, as a whole, like this, like how wrestling is presented and whatnot i think based on what we've talked about would you say i think it's fair to say that with wrestling as we know it this whole here's a two-hour weekly show we're going to have our pay-per-view in three weeks from now this whole model we've been doing for years do you think it's fair to say that wwe have done everything that could possibly have been done in that model as far as angles storylines wwe's done it all so, like, what does AEW really have left to do that's unique and different that's worth doing? And as a result, Kevin, before you go, do you think that should, you know, do you think because of that, AEW really should more so invest in trying to revolutionize wrestling before, God forbid, they go out of business? <laughs> Maybe. Like, yeah, I think they should. I mean, if you're asking me what AEW can, can improve on, yeah, there's a ton of things. And yeah. we'll get to that in a second, but... Yeah, I think to answer your question, I think WWE pretty much has done just about everything. And I think that's evident because some of AEW's most memorable segments, like we said already, are rip off of WWE. And it's just is what it is. 
It's not a knock. We're not hating. That's literally what happened. They ripped off these segments. Whether you want to say they're good or bad or they're better, that's up to you. But I do think yeah, that like, it, good. You got no, you got, you got, you got. Yeah, I, I do think yeah. AEW has a ton that they can do. There's definitely segments that they can do that are different, that are unique, that are something like unlike anything we've ever seen before. I, I, it's like with music. People say this all the time. Are we ever going to run out of music? No, we're not. There's always going to be people that look at things differently. There's going to be different perspectives, different philosophies. And that's just what it's going to be. And I, I think AEW, maybe they could benefit from a change of scenery, bring in, you know, somebody, a different writer, you know, maybe let Matt Hardy oversee creative for a little bit, see what, see what happens with that or somebody else. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds better than the elite booking the shows, but this is all elite wrestling. So it's like, even then. And I guess that we can tie this in to, I guess, what will pretty much be like the final part to this Tony Khan bio. When it comes to Tony Khan, his promotion, AW, like, what do you think they can realistically improve on that's like practical that they can and what might actually do? Because I'll say this now, obviously they can try and cater the shows to a more casual audience. But as we've established, that's not what they're about anymore, seemingly, because they're about catering to their audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they get criticism for that, then, well, they're going to go into a shell and copyright claim people. Which that reminds us, Kevin, do you want to have an AW and content creators discussion while we're here? Oh, yeah, we might as well close with this. Yeah. Might as well. We might as well. Yeah. So we're talking about the, the relationship that AEW has with journalists and content creators for a minute. I think it is... One of complication. It's an obvious complicated relationship. It's something where I see and I'm like, wow, this is very disappointing. As somebody who is aspiring to be a journalist who's studying journalism, I look at this where you've got Tony Khan responding 